Thank you, ladies. Ensemble. Guess the other one's women's ensemble. I don't know what the difference is. Or ladies' ensemble too. Anyway, right now the children are already ready. Ages three to eight. Go ahead. You're dismissed to children's church. And the rest of you, if you'll turn to Mark chapter six. Mark chapter six. We're going to continue on our study of the Gospel of Mark. Very excellent song to sing before this message, right on key, with what uh, we're going to be preaching and right on key when you sing, too. So it's a double, double bonus. I'm not sure if you've ever met some evangelists, and they just seem to have the, the speaking skills, they have the personality, they have the strong voice, you know, and people just rally around them. And, you know, I, it was an evangelist like that. Uh, back in Texas, and and he had all of those uh, talents and all of those benefits, all those things that people just admired in a preacher, and, and he got to actually preach at the Southern Baptist Convention in Houston, Texas one year. And when he was in his ho- hotel room later that evening, uh, he was exhausted, and he was discouraged. And he prayed to the Lord with frustration If I have seen everything that you have for me in ministry, Lord, then take my life and just let me die. He followed that prayer. That prayer followed with some silence, and then the preacher went quickly to sleep. In the morning, the evangelist woke up, and he was burdened, really convicted by God. I guess through the night, verses were coming to his mind or whatever, and he was convicted of his own self-sufficiency. See, he had been his whole ministry trusting in his speaking skills. He had been dependent on his strong voice. He had been dependent on his uh, likable personality to draw crowds and to be able to preach. But it only led him to discouragement and to exhaustion. And God was convicting him all night long. And when he woke up, he described this conviction in this way. And I hope that you can relate to this. God didn't speak audibly to the guy. But I've had this happen to me when he convicts me with Scripture. It seems like God is speaking to me. He brings ideas and thoughts to my mind. And it's like God's speaking to me. But a lot of times it's based on His Word and what He's already written. But anyway, this evangelist says said this about God, that God was saying to me, I'm going to let you die to yourself. I have seen your ministry and how it's been sufficient and all about you, and now I want you to see what I can do. That preacher was humiliated. He was corrected. And he changed that night. And his life changed and his ministry changed for the rest of his life. And he began preaching Rather, instead of a dependency on himself and his own gifts, but on dependency on the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a lesson for you and me in this, that when we are serving the Lord Jesus Christ, that we need the Lord, as the lady sang earlier. That we need the Lord in order to thrive in ministry. We can show up and we can be involved in teaching Sunday school, and singing specials, and being an usher, and uh, encouraging those here in this church, and giving to the church, being in the nursery, 
whatever you do, play an instrument, whatever that is, whatever your ministry for the Lord is in this church, and it doesn't even have to be the things that I enumerated, but you know you can do those things and you can do it with a reliance on self, self-sufficiency. Man, I've done so well in business. That's why I can give so generously to the church. Instead of recognizing that God's the one who gave you those things and you really wouldn't have those apart from His grace. See, all these things relate to ministry and how we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need, we need, we need to serve Him uh, with this with a dependence on Him. If you'll turn uh, to Mark chapter 6, I want you to look at verse 13. When the disciples, the twelve apostles, is what they're going to be called in verse 30 a little bit later. But these ones were sent out by the Lord in verse 12. Um, actually, in verses um, verses 7 through verses verse 13. But I want you to... I want to just read verses 12 and 13 as it describes the ministry that they had. It says in Mark chapter 6, verse 12, And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Now skip down to verse 30, and that's where we're going to start today. It says, And the apostles. This is the first time and the only time that Mark's Gospel calls the twelve apostles. It means sent ones, missionaries. Okay, really is emphasizing their work. These ones that were sent gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Did you notice a little difference there between verses 12 and 13 and verse 30? There's a difference in order. In verses 12 through 13, the emphasis on when they go out, they are preaching a message of repentance, and then they are casting out demons and uh, healing people in Jesus' name. But notice their report when they come back to Jesus. They report what they had done, not what God had did through them. I think that's key to the interpretation of this passage. All that they had done and all that they had taught. Not what God had done through them. And it seems like they are just so excited about being able to have the ability to cast out demons and to heal the sick that they're just eager to go right back in to Galilee and start the ministry again and do these miracles. They're so excited and enamored with the the power that God gave them, but they report to Jesus and really reveal what's in their heart. They report what they had done. And I believe Jesus is very concerned about that in the lives of His apostles, His twelve, His twelve disciples. Because He wanted them to realize that they needed the Lord to thrive in future ministry. Jesus was not going to be on the earth for very long. He was going to die on the cross. He was going to raise Himself from the dead. And then He was going to ascend to God the Father. And they would be entrusted with the ministry of the Gospel, with the responsibility of furthering the message of Christ beyond Jerusalem, into Judea, and into Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the world. And they needed to be prepared for that. 
And Jesus is, uh, we're going to see in this passage, is reminding them that they need to depend on Him. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus described it in this illustrative way, illustrative way, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. We never can forget that. That Jesus is the vine, that we are the branches. He produces the spiritual fruit in us and through us. And this is the nature of serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Is we need Him to thrive in ministry. And Jesus is trying to teach this to His disciples. To depend on His sufficiency in ministry. What do you need from the Lord in ministry? You need His grace. And I want to just point out that even in the New Testament letters in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul even talks about this as he serves the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4, it says, And such trust or faith have we through Jesus Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Who hath not made us able ministers, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Not of the letter, not of the, uh, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And so our sufficiency is of Christ. And the question is, what do you need from the Lord Jesus Christ in ministry? First of all, you need quiet times with the Lord. Talked about in Sunday school. And really kind of have a common theme this morning. Didn't plan it this way, but just where we're at in the Bible. But talking about in Judges chapter 12 and just the overarching lesson I was getting across today is that as we are serving the Lord uh, Jesus Christ, we need to serve Him in a way that brings honor to Him and glory to Him. And it's not self-interested. It's not in self-recognition. It's not in self-pleasure. But it's all to bring glory to Him. Another lesson to that, as we look at this passage, is that we need to serve Him with a dependence on Him. And how do you do that? With You need quiet times with the Lord. Let's look at verse 30. Again, let me read that once more. I'm going to read to verse 32. It says, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus, and told Him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place, and Rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure or opportunity so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. We'll stop there. You know, when we are serving the Lord Jesus Christ, we can become overwhelmed in ministry. We can become overwhelmed in ministry. Uh, There's always a need in ministry. There always will be. There's not going to be time that there's not a need. There's always continual needs. In ministry. And you know what? We can burn ourselves out in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are teaching Sunday school and then you're doing nursery and then you're doing children's church and you're never under the sound preaching of God's Word and you're just always preparing a lesson, you can be, you can burn out in ministry. Pastors can burn out in ministry. And Jesus talks about resting a while. That doesn't mean that you go on a sabbatical. Okay? That's very common today. He want to go on sabbaticals? That's like a long period of time. Jesus said, rest a while for a short period of time. 
rest a while. You know, go and uh, take a break. Have your strength re- uh, refreshed. Uh, have your soul refreshed and so that you can get back into it. And that's exactly what happens is they go on this boat privately and they rest literally a while. They travel about four miles and then a crowd's going to uh, confront them on the other side of the shore. Short break, huh? But yeah, you need quiet times with the Lord. And not only can we burn ourselves out in ministry, but also we can mess up our priorities in ministry. Uh, where we get our priorities uh, messed up and we are kind of running our running around like a gerbil in one of those little cage wheels. You know, you need time alone with Jesus and His Word. And Vance Havner said it this way, if you don't come apart and rest, you will come apart. <laughs> okay? If you don't come apart and rest, you will come apart. Very clever way to say that. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, Paul, the Apostle, writes to young Timothy, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine." Continue in them personally, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself or deliver thyself and also them that hear thee. And so we need to take heed to ourselves, not living selfishly, but we need to take, um, we need to examine our lives and see where our priorities are. Do we have quiet times with the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't think this rest that Jesus is talking about was primarily um, resting and getting physical strength. Because this word desert place, it's mentioned three times in verse um, verse 31, verse 32, and verse 34. Uh, that word desert, excuse me, verse 35. Um, and these three verses, desert place is recorded. And desert is an adjective. It's a deserted place. It's a place where there's nobody around. Okay, It's not... The wilder- it's not like a desert with sand and hot sun over you, okay? I'm sure those places existed over there, but not necessarily. What he's doing, and it says in another account, he's heading towards Bethsaida, which is just north of where the Jordan River feeds into the Sea of Galilee. Uh, this He was heading to the beach, okay? He was heading to the east shore, of the northeast shore of the Sea of Galilee, where it was very rocky. It was uncultivated land. People weren't really there. Um, people were out on fishing boats. It was known as a house of fishing, Bethsaida was, and so uh, people really weren't uh, around there, and apparently they were going there for some needed isolation, to get away and to get alone with Jesus. And I think that's the emphasis here in verses 30 and 32, is that we need to get alone with Jesus Christ and His Word. And we need to study God's Word for ourselves. He's given us these wonderful words of life that we sung about, and we sing about them in church, but we don't give them the time of day during the week. And we need to be making the Word of God a priority in our life. Uh, I, you know, Whether it's early in the morning or at some other isolated time during the day where you can get alone and you can study God's will for your life. You can allow His Word to... Uh, challenge your faith and strengthen your faith in Him. A time where you can cast your cares to Him in prayer. And there's definitely also added benefit in getting alone and out of this world and taking a rest and worshiping Him with His people as well. But how much time are you giving and allocating for the Lord? I've been reading this diet book and one of the emphasis is on exercise 
is that if you don't schedule it like a, like a flight plan, like you're going to take off from DIA, it's never going to happen. You know, when you buy a ticket in an airplane, you put that in your schedule because you spent some money on that, right? You don't want to waste that money. It's going to be in your schedule. You are, you are not going to miss that appointment. The same thing should, the same value should be on your times with the Lord. That you would value that uh, in equal or even greater way. Then, then in verses 33 through 34, we see not only that we need times alone with the Lord, but we need the compassion of the Lord to thrive in ministry. Verse 33, and the people saw them departing, talking about Jesus and his disciples. And many of them knew Jesus and ran afoot thither out of all the cities and outwent them or outran them on the shore and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. You know, another danger in ministry is not only that we can become overwhelmed, but we can also become hardened in ministry. We don't care about the needs of others, especially the most important needs in someone's life. We can focus only on ourselves in ministry. We can focus only on physical needs in ministry and not really on the spiritual needs. According to, I want to just uh, describe a couple of things here. First of all, one commentator said that when Jesus and his disciples got in the boat there at Capernaum and they were traveling towards Bethsaida, it was about a four-mile trip across that part of the Sea of Galilee. But these people that, that saw Jesus and his disciples left started running around the coastal shore. And, you know, this is, according to the Gospel of John, the, the Passover was near. It's springtime. You'll read a little bit later that they sit on green grass. It's springtime. And people are traveling from the east side of the Sea of Galilee around the sea to go to Jerusalem to observe Passover. So this might account for the huge multitudes that we're going to read about a little bit later. But as they are following Jesus and they're running along the shore, people start seeing what you see and recognizing Jesus and seeing this crowd that's running. And then they start coming out of the cities. And then they, these people, they outrun, some of them outrun the boat. And one commentator estimated that the distance from Capernaum to Bethsaida was double the distance of just going by boat so instead of four miles they ran eight miles ahead to meet jesus exhausted when he when they arrived uh, on the other shore but the gospel of john gives the reason why these people ran and were so eager to see jesus it's because it says there in john chapter 6 they had seen many miracles there in galilee emphasis on sick people being healed of sicknesses and so as they're coming, they are coming and they are eager and they are curious and they want to see a miracle and then the sick people are coming a little bit later, I'm sure, throughout the day because they probably couldn't run that fast like the others. But they're coming in and Jesus sees these crowds coming and he is moved or he has compassion or pity on them. Why? Because he sees them as sheep without having a shepherd at all. He sees them coming, and they're not coming to really hear the Word of God from Him and to find out who He is and that He's really the Savior who is coming to pay the penalty of their sins, but they came for a miracle, and He had compassion on them. 
He wasn't hardened toward them. He had pity on them. See, the greatest need a person has is salvation from their sin. And according to the Gospel of Luke, uh, Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God. He was giving them the Gospel as He was preaching it, like He was preaching it in Capernaum and across other parts of Galilee. And then also, it says in Luke, He healed people. He met their physical need in order to minister to their uh, spiritual need. But of course, the Lord Jesus Christ was concerned more about their greatest need. And that's why He had pity on them, because He knew they were in need spiritually. And their greatest need was salvation from sin. These people were oblivious to their greatest need. And this is why Jesus had pity toward them. They were sheep not having a shepherd. When you think about a sheep not having a shepherd, they're helpless. And in what way are they helpless? They lack nourishment because the shepherd leads them to green pastures, to still waters that won't scare them away, so they'll drink. Also, they're lacking guidance Guidance to the path where is going to be the best for them. Maybe it doesn't have as many uh, pests or parasites that can get into their wool and burrow themselves into their skin. They don't have the protection of the shepherd. Of course, with the shepherd's staff to fight off any animal that might want to attack them, but even the shepherd to protect them by putting, anointing them with oil to kill and drive away those insects that might want to burrow and uh, become parasitic in their skin. And they were facing ruin and death without the shepherd, just like a sheep would. And the fact of the matter is, is that you and I need to show the compassion of Christ towards those that we interact with in ministry. And as the Lord was training and preparing the twelve, was it going to be a possibility that they were going to face physical exhaustion in ministry? Yes, they definitely were. And so he is training them in that way. Were they going to face spiritual giants in ministry? Uh, Spiritual things that really they couldn't do? Yes, they would. Spiritual needs that only God can meet, and they definitely were going to do that. And we see that the disciples weren't prepared for this because in the next section that we read, when they get hungry, they're ready to send the crowds away. (laughs) You know? Man, my belly is hungry. You know? I'm having these stomach pains. I'm ready to eat. You remember what happened in verse uh, 30? uh, Excuse me, not verse 30, but verse 31, where the Word of God says that they were constantly being bombarded with people coming and going that they didn't have an opportunity to eat. They were already hungry. Now, they are starving. Okay, And at least they think they are starving. And they are ready to send these people away. They don't care what kind of spiritual needs are. They have lost all compassion for them. And you know, we need this compassion from Christ. We need this pity. And we need to see people like Jesus sees them had an opportunity, opportunity this week with someone who contacted me. and We have helped them in times past with financial assistance and they needed financial assistance again. And this person is an agnostic person. Admittedly, says, I do not, I was raised uh, 
I was raised in a church, learned the Bible, but I heard about other gods and other books of faith, and now I'm not really sure which God is God or even if there is a God. And last year, I shared the Gospel of Christ with her, and I clearly presented the Gospel and I helped her. And now it's another year. And she's coming back and she needs more financial assistance. And I took the opportunity, and at first, I'll be honest with you and share my heart of flesh. I did not want to help her. I wanted to say, ha ha, see where your gods have gotten you? See where your faith in yourself and in your own understanding has gotten you? You're still without. But uh, after some time of praying about that and talking to my sweet wife, <laughs> I uh, realized that, you know what, that wasn't the compassionate thing to do. Uh, to turn her away, to send her away, but to see it as another opportunity to explain the Gospel of Christ and the love of God to her. And I did that. I didn't just give her money and say, I hope this helps you, but I said, you know what? God's provided this money to this church. He has mercifully provided this money, and He knew that you were going to come here. He loves you, and He loved me, and He loved these people of this church that are saved. And, and I mean, He has saved them from their sins. And He's given, and He's met their spiritual needs, and He's also meeting their physical needs. And you know what? God's really concerned more about your spiritual needs than this need that you brought to me today. But you know what? I want to show you how much God loves you, and we're going to help you. We're going to meet that financial need. But I want you to walk away with this reality that God loves you and He wants to meet your greatest need in life, your need for salvation. And you know, we need to, not that I'm a hero, but being reminded of that, I think we all need to be reminded of that. We need to show the compassion of Christ. We need to never forget the compassion and the mercy that He showed us when He saved us from our sin. It's not that He saved us by our works of righteousness according to the New Testament that we have done, but He saved us by His mercy and His own righteousness. Then third of all, not only do we need quiet times or times alone with the Lord, and we need the compassion of the Lord, but we need the grace of the Lord to thrive. We can become discouraged in ministry, like that preacher I talked about earlier. And uh, we can be discouraged about our circumstances where we are physically, you know, where we grew up, where we're living now, or even the timing of things and events in our lives. Look at Mark chapter 6, verse 35. It says, And when the day was now far spent, His disciples came unto Him and said, This is a desert place or a deserted place. And now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. What are the disciples doing here? What happened is in verse 35, when, uh, excuse me, verse 34, when Jesus uh, began teaching uh, many things to the uh, to the, this crowd, what that really was is he was teaching a lot. And so now they're going late into the evening. It's getting dark outside. They're out in a deserted place, and and supper was the main meal of the day in that culture. Not like today where we eat three solid meals a day or maybe even six in some places. But, you know, uh, taking those breaks in between. But really, supper was the big meal of that day. And so where were they going to find that in this 
uncultivated place where it was probably just rocky shore and they'd had to go fishing. And one of the disciples is asked this in John chapter 6. Philip has asked this uh, as the crowds are approaching. Jesus says, how do you reckon we're going to feed all these people? And he says, I don't even think 200 uh, penny loaf or uh, denarii, sorry, 200 uh, denarii would be sufficient to feed these people. And a denarius was a small silver coin that really a farmhand would get or a worker in the vineyard would get for a day's wage. And so you're talking about eight months' wage. One guy calculated it as $10,000 whenever that was calculated. Uh, it probably has changed now. But $10,000 to feed these 5,000 men plus women and children, according to the Gospel of Mark, could have been up to 15,000 people there that day. Anyway, you can become discouraged in your circumstances. And Jesus has preached long into the day, and now His disciples interrupt His teaching and say, Jesus, do you not realize what time it is? Do you not realize where we are? Did Jesus know what time it is? Did He know where they were? Of course He did. But they doubted Him. And this was an issue of faith. Also, they became discouraged by their inadequacies. It talks about um, this in verses 37 and 30, uh, 38. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said unto Him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? And He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, five and two fishes. There's two inadequacies here. First of all, Jesus says, not only does he, um, not only do we see a lack of faith in the lives of his twelve apostles, okay, when they question the wisdom and the knowledge of the Lord and his planning, but also, uh, Jesus turns it on them and he says, you feed them. You want us to feed them? We don't, you know, first of all, they're like, we don't have the money. Then he says, well, go find out what the crowd has. And he goes, finds out what the crowd has. And they have five loaves. And this is not your rectangular loaves like you have at home. That's right. I mean, that's what my kids love, a sliced bread, toast in the morning, right? No, these were like flat biscuits, okay? That's what these loaves were, flat biscuits. And I believe it was in John, yeah, John chapter 6, that it says they were barley loaves. So that was a very cheap, usually the rich would eat wheat. We're so blessed here in America. Wheat farmers, you guys are just feeding the rich, right? But, you know, it was these barley loaves was the really the grain of the poor, of the impoverished. So this boy, as we know him to be, this lad, he has five little barley biscuits, and then he has two dried fish, probably like sardines. Okay, And so the crowd has in its inadequacies. The disciples don't have enough money. And so they are at their wits end and they're discouraged of how they are going to provide for this huge crowd. And Jesus commands them to bring the five loaves and two fishes. The lesson for you and me is that we need to bring what we have to the Lord and He will multiply it abundantly. Jesus will abundantly multiply what you have in ministry. If you think about the disciples of Christ in the future where they're going to face impossible demands, impossible needs in the ministry, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. But what they needed to do first is make themselves available to God by faith. And we read in verse 39, And He commanded the apostles to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. By the way, that was an act of faith on the behalf of the disciples and the crowd because they're hungry. They know they're in a deserted place. And Jesus says, you know what? Recline here in this green grass for a minute. He doesn't tell them he's going to feed them yet. Okay, so an act of faith there. And they sat down in ranks or in rows. Um, They uh, sit down in companies like little rows. And then they're sitting in groups of hundreds and fifty. Okay, so 150. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and he blessed and break the loaves, and this is very important, and he gave them to his disciples. And that word gave is not in the aorist tense like all these other verbs. It's in the imperfect tense. And I know I'm getting too technical, but that imperfect tense means that it happened in the past over and over again. And what happens is it's not the disciples, the bread and the uh, fish are not multiplied in the hands of his disciples but they're literally being multiplied in the hands of Jesus Christ as He gives them to the disciples who then give them to the crowds, the different groups that are scattered along the hillside uh, on that east side of the Sea of Galilee. And He gave over and over to His disciples to set before the crowd, and the two fishes divided He among them all, and they did all eat and were filled. Notice that. They were filled (laughs) From five loaves and two fishes? Are you serious? Yes, they were completely satisfied. And in addition, they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. And they did eat of the loaves, uh, and they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men, and Matthew says, beside the women and children. And so if you have, you know, 5,000 times uh, three. 15,000, right? If you have at least one child in each family and one spouse, that's where I got that number 15,000 from at, at the minimum. Okay? And so you have here evidence of how Jesus can abundantly provide and He gives abundant leftovers that His grace is more than enough for you in ministry. So this is encouraging to me and I hope it's encouraging to you no matter what your physical limitations are, no matter what kind of emotional distress you're under, no matter what kind of giants, quote-unquote, that you are scared of or that you are facing in ministry, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is more than enough. Amen? (laughs) This encourages me greatly. And we need to be encouraged that uh, Jesus was preparing His disciples to further the ministry. Would they face constant needs in the ministries? In the ministry, yes. Would they face spiritual needs? Yes. Would they face impossible needs? Yes. They needed the Lord to thrive in serving Him. And you need the Lord as well. You need the Lord as well. To raise your children for the Lord. To have a godly influence on your grandkids. To serve the Lord here. To be a witness out there. You need the Lord. And if you are such a fool to think that you can do it in your own strength, you're not going to thrive and be faithful as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to depend on the sufficiency of Christ as you serve Him. 
Depend on Him for spiritual refreshment. Depend on Him for compassionate ministry. And depend on Him for abundant grace. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank You so much for this passage of Scripture. and Lord, I thank You for each part of our service today. The song, Wonderful Words of Life. The, the hymn that was about the Gospel message and Your saving power. The, the music and the Gospel message uh, the encouraging message that the ladies sang that we need the Lord. And even when, even when the waters are calm, we need You, Lord. When the tempest and the winds are blowing strong, we need You, Lord. Help us, Lord, to not um, walk in pride and self-sufficiency, but that we would fall on our knees. And Lord, that we would realize that we can't serve You without You being a part and strengthening us and equipping us, and working through us. Lord, I admit that even today, Lord, that I cannot be, I cannot change a person's heart. I can't cause people to trust in You as Savior. I can't cause people to live in obedience to You, to go out and be witnesses for You, to be faithful to You and to Your ministry here. Only You can do that. And I commit that work to Your care. Pray, Lord, that You would just help us to be servants that are dependent on Your sufficiency. That as we serve You in this world, that we would be focused on Christ and not on ourselves. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.